What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm going to go over a Super Bowl recap and my Dynasty Top 12 running back rankings. And let's start with the Super Bowl. It was a good one. It was close as predicted, right? And I just want to say that I'm, I'm happy with the outcome. I know a lot of people are upset about some of the calls, but that's just the nature of a big game like the Super Bowl. You let them play until it's crunch time at the end, and then you got to call those things because now there's no more room to make up for you know, misses or mistakes or anything like that. If you're not calling stuff in the beginning of the game, it's fine because everybody understands that. But when it gets to the end of the game... And you're talking two, three plays at the end of the game that are going to completely make the difference. You have to be able to call stuff. So I know a lot of people are upset about that. I'm trying not to be upset about that. I got to watch a good amount of the game um, because you know I was able to find some very in-depth highlights. So that was good. Um, I got a play here or two, but like live, but not really. Anyways, the game was good. I was happy with it, and I think it ended how it should have ended because the Rams needed this. The Rams needed this Super Bowl. They were all in. They're a much older team. They don't have a future <laughs> to look forward to because they don't have first pick, a uh, first-round pick until 2024. They're missing a lot of other picks in other rounds as well, and Aaron Donald's probably going to retire now. Andrew Whitworth is going to retire you know, Cooper Cup's on the older side. Not that he's anywhere near being gone or done. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. A lot of their, their players are, you know, older. Von Miller came in and helped a lot. He's obviously older. Just, you got a lot of old guys there. And they needed it. The Bengals, on the other hand, they're extremely young, extremely promising. They just got their franchise quarterback. They've got a franchise-wide receiver. I don't know if that's a term, but if it was, Jamar Chase would be that. He's a franchise wide receiver for him to go along with Burrow. They've got T. Higgins, an amazing, amazing wide receiver too. I mean, he's a wide receiver one on a good amount of teams in this league. So great wide receiver two, Tyler Boyd, who's an exceptional wide receiver three. Joe Mixon, good running back. You know, they're all young guys there. Tyler Boyd's not as young, but he's for the third wide receiver. It doesn't really matter, and he's still young enough. They've got a lot of young players, and they've got a bright future. So I think the Bengals, we... We will hopefully, hopefully we'll see them again in a Super Bowl. Um, the AFC is definitely looking tough. AFC's got all the young quarterbacks. They've got Mahomes. They've got Herbert. They've got Allen. They've got Lamar. They've got uh, Mac Jones, if you want to throw him in there. Obviously, Burrow, who we've been talking about. There's just Trevor. Maybe he'll become something. They've just got all these young quarterbacks in the AFC. The NFC, on the other hand, has been ruled by the veterans. It's been Drew Brees. It's been Aaron Rodgers. It's been Tom Brady. It's been Russell Wilson. It's been, you know, if you want to say Jimmy Garoppolo. The Vikings have been in the, the playoffs a lot. The Bears, 
Like all these teams, now the Rams with Stafford, all these teams that are, are really good in the NFC have veteran quarterbacks. So it's kind of like the exact opposite if you look at each conference, which I thought is interesting. Also, the NFC is the the, the conference with like the dominant defenses. You know, you've got the Rams, the Niners, the Bucks, and the AFC's got the dominant, absolutely dominant offenses. Yeah, the Bucks are really good. The Rams are really good and stuff, but they're backed by really good defenses as well. And for the future, their offenses may may take a little bit of a dip. The Rams, not as much as a team like the Bucks or the Packers who are going to lose Aaron Rodgers. But you look at the AFC and you've got Mahomes and the Chiefs and Allen and the Bills and just all these high-flying offenses that I think it might be difficult for the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, what what we saw from Joe Burrow, he might be the best quarterback in the AFC. Like, that's probably super controversial, I know, and you're probably, like, saying I'm stupid, but he might be the best quarterback in the AFC. It's possible. Like, you can make an argument for it, okay, especially if he gets an offensive line because you have to remember the circumstances matter for a quarterback. If the Bengals get an offensive line, Joe Burrow could easily, easily look like the best quarterback. It would be him, Mahomes, and Allen, neck and neck. I think it is neck and neck between those three right now. Now, you give... Burrow an offensive line and all of a sudden he might be outshining the other two so I think it's possible we see the Bengals back in the Super Bowl I hope we do I I love rooting for franchises that have just you know the fans need a ring they've gone through so much and the Bengals have done that to their fans they really have um so let's talk about those Bengals right they they need a smash offensive line free agency and the draft double down protect Joe Burrow please protect him I mean, that was the downfall in the Super Bowl. It really was. And another thing that has been really bad in Cincy for a long time, and I usually chalk it up to the owner, just the owner and the GM not doing what they need to be doing. But maybe there was something that I never considered before. And what I'm talking about here is never getting free agents. See, I always chalked it up to, you know, they're not willing to pay enough because free agents will go anywhere if you pay them enough. But maybe since he was just such a dreadful place when people were looking at it that they're like, I mean, this team, they're they're just not good and I don't want to go there. But now you've got Joe Burrow, you've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you've got all these young weapons and you've got a, a young coach who now in his third year looked, looked like he was doing some good stuff. Now they might be an attractive free agent spot. They were just in the Super Bowl and they've got money to spend because Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract. So... All of a sudden, maybe since he does start signing some people in free agency, they've got money to work with. They usually do. A lot of the time they've had money to work with. They just never used it. I'd never understood why. It always frustrated me. But let's use that money and let's use the allure of Joe Burrow and just being in the Super Bowl and let's get some free agents. Get an offensive lineman, just at least one in free agency, and then you can grab one in the draft. And all of a sudden, that's a complete game changer for your team, right? So maybe they'll be able to attract free agents. Now let's talk about the Rams. Stafford, he finally gets the recognition he deserves. A lot of people, you know, especially in the beginning of the season when he's on a new team, learning a new system, wanted to to give Stafford a hard time. Guys, he was with the freaking Lions. The Lions. Name help that he had outside of Calvin Johnson. And that's one player. That's one player. 
and the man was throwing for mad yards, a good amount of touchdowns, made the playoffs a couple times. Like, Stafford is such a good quarterback, and that's why I was all over the Rams this year. That's why before this year started, I said the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to kick the Bucks out the playoffs because I think they were the only team that were going to be able to do it. So they were going to beat the Bucks in the playoffs, make it to the Super Bowl, and win. I called it, and it happened. And I think that's pretty cool. Obviously, I was way off on the AFC side. I said Chargers were going to get to the Super Bowl on the AFC, thinking their defense was going to come back, be healthy, be really good. Herbert was going to take another step forward. None of those things happened. So, I mean, I was I was way off on there on that side of the the ball, obviously, because the AFC didn't even have the Chargers in the playoffs. So, anyways, that was a cool call on the Rams, though. And if you look at the Rams, it was almost. And this is part of the reason I picked them. It was almost a similar path that the Bucks took because you had the Rams that were super stacked, right? Super stacked. They've got mad players on defense, mad playmakers on offense, a decent offensive line, at least de- decent. And what did they never have? They never had the quarterback. Jared Goff, he put up some numbers, yeah, thanks to weapons, situation, and Sean McVay, not because of Jared Goff. And... Once they got the quarterback, like the Bucks did, the Bucks had Jameis. Jameis put up stats and numbers and all that stuff, but he's a risk taker. He's a gunslinger, and a lot of times he's burning you. So the Bucks had the talent. A lot of people never realized that because of the record, because of the lack of recognition the Bucks ever got because of the record. But once we replaced Jameis, once we brought in a, a veteran quarterback who makes better decisions, all of a sudden you could see how good the Bucks were. And it was the same thing with the Rams, except people did recognize how good the Rams were because they still made it far with Goff, but because he wasn't as uh, as much of a, I don't want to say punisher, but he didn't punish the team as much with turnovers as Jameis did. But anyways, it was a very similar path because season starts and you know that your team is hosting or your stadium is hosting the Super Bowl, right? Happened for the Bucks, now just happened for the Rams. That's similarity number one. Number two they have a great defense and a very good offense with playmakers, but lack a quarterback. That's number two. Number three, obviously, and obviously they bring in the veteran quarterback, us bringing in Brady and the Rams bringing in Stafford. And then not only that, but you also add, both of these teams add a diva wide receiver that people give up on. We added AB. He helped us for sure. Had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And what did the Rams do? They added Odell, helped them for sure, had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Both played in their own stadium, won in their own stadium. So many similarities. And it's kind of why I was I was on the Rams, because I've always liked Stafford. And now people are getting what he, you know, giving him the recognition he deserves. And in fantasy, he was my QB like six, I think. He's going to be a really good quarterback for fantasy, guys. Especially if Robert Woods comes back healthy, Cooper Cup is still a beast, and you know, if they establish a little bit of a run game, maybe next year, maybe next year they, with a run game, are going to be more explosive. And Stafford was better in the second half of the season anyways. Makes sense because you got to learn the new system, the new coach, the new players. Well, if he's got that for a full season next year, he's going to be a pretty good, solid fantasy quarterback that, you know, you're getting pretty late and you can count on him. So if you're somebody like me who goes quarterback late, Stafford, once again, just like this year, is going to be somebody I'm targeting next year. And before we close out on the Super Bowl topic, I just want to say that Bengals fans should be proud because, and and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, you look at the Bengals team on paper, that team has no business being in the Super Bowl. 
absolutely no business being in the Super Bowl. I've talked about it already. Offensive line, bottom 10 in the league. Defense, at best average in the league. And Joe Burrow, it was a combination of Joe Burrow and just grittiness. The team was just motivated and gritty and did not stop. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I'm so happy for Cincinnati. The Bengals have always been one of those teams that after my Buccaneers, if my Buccaneers are not involved and have nothing to do with outcomes, the Bengals are one of those teams that I root for. Seattle was one for a while, but not so much anymore. Um, Not because they got bad, but just because of all the drama with Russell Wilson recently. Um, Russell Wilson was the first player that I ever drafted in fantasy, in fantasy football. Um, I started fantasy football the year that Russell Wilson blew up. And so it kind of just made me really like the the team. They also had sick jerseys, so they were fun to watch. They had Marshawn Lynch, who I also drafted that same year with Russell Wilson. And Marshawn Lynch was like RB3 that year. So, uh, you know, Seattle was another one for me. Not so much anymore just because of all the drama. But anyways, just wanted to say, Bengals fans, you should be happy because your team far outplayed their talent. And that's always a good sign because you can add more talent. And if your team keeps that mentality, especially if they stay hungry, and I think Joe Burrow will keep everyone hungry, then, you know, it's looking good. Looking good. The, the future is bright in Cincinnati. All right, with that said, Let's get into the running back dynasty rankings. I think the wide receiver rankings are much easier because running back is a lot more volatile in terms of age and the downfall of a running back happens way faster. So you've got to be careful. And for me, I'm weighing age pretty heavily. You guys saw that in the wide receiver column and it's going to be the same in the running back. But you've got to be careful with it because it can be deceiving depending on how the running back is used. So we'll talk about my running back one and that's Jonathan Taylor, 23 years old. He's young. He's got a great offensive line. He gets a massive workload, and he's got extreme talent. you That's the only thing missing for making Jonathan Taylor the perfect, like, un, is it unfallible, infallible? I think it's infallible. The infallible running back for fantasy is one of two things, but they pretty much are the same. Being in a very high-scoring offense or having an elite quarterback, but it's pretty much the same. So just that's the only thing missing from Jonathan Taylor is in being in an elite offense. That, and you could say, you know, he could use more receptions, but it's very, very few and far between that there are guys that are getting Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara level receptions, Austin Eckler level receptions. So, you know, I'm not going to hold that too much against him because he does get a decent amount of receiving. But those are pretty much the two things that hold him back is the offense and the lack of receiving or lack of elite receiving, I should say, because he does get good receiving. That's the only thing holding Jonathan Taylor back from being absolutely unstoppable. But he is my running back one because of the combination of the things we talked about. And my running back two is Najah Harris. He's also 23 years old. So yes, he's young. He also gets a great workload, but he gets more receptions. And he also has very good talent. The reception work for Najee Harris somewhat makes up for the horrible offensive line when you're comparing him to Jonathan Taylor, but the offense is just so much worse than the Colts offense that you're definitely putting Najee Harris behind Jonathan Taylor. Then you've got Javante Williams, or I've got Javante Williams at three. Now that's going to be super controversial. It depends on how you look at dynasty football. If you want immediate production in year one, then maybe Javante Williams is not going to be that high for you because Melvin Gordon might be back. 
And if he is back, that creates a perfect buy window for Javante Williams. Javante Williams is the youngest talented running back in the league. He's 21 years old. Najee Harris is 23 from the same class. Okay, Michael Carter from the same class. I think Michael Carter is actually also 21 or 22. I think he's 22. Um, I'm not sure. Not 100% positive. But Javante Williams is far better. He's more talented. And he's going to be on a better offense, hopefully. Um, I I expect them to be a a better offense. But Javante Williams, he's the youngest guy in the league. He's one of the most talented. Everyone knows that he was leading in broken tackles and all that stuff, despite not even getting nearly as many carries as a lot of other guys. The only question mark is Melvin Gordon. Now, if Melvin Gordon comes back, maybe you drop, depending on how you look at Dynasty once again, maybe you drop Javante to like six, okay? But I would still just keep him at three and just realize, okay, now this is the time to buy. Running back four for me is Christian McCaffrey. He's 25. Christian McCaffrey is the best fantasy football running back that we have seen since I've been involved in fantasy football. He has averaged 30 points per game over the last three seasons. Over the last three seasons, Christian McCaffrey has averaged 30 points per game. That is higher than the highest scoring quarterback on average on any given year. That is ridiculous. He averages almost 10 points more per game than the second best running back. Almost. It depends on what year you're looking at. Usually the second best running back is between like 22 and 24 points per game. Sometimes it's like 20 points per game if it's a low year on running backs. But Christian McCaffrey absolutely dominates. He's elite in every way. He's probably got two to three years left. The only thing is health questions. Health questions and he's not as young as the other guys. That's why I have him at four. But if you want to take Christian McCaffrey at RB1, go for it. I don't blame you. If you're so worried about health questions, you drop him down to like eight. I also don't blame you. But Christian McCaffrey is what is the most you could ever ask for. DeAndre Swift is my running back five. He's 23 years old. He's got good PPR usage. He's young. He's talented. But we've got some questions about workload. How many carries is he going to get? Is he going to be splitting with running backs his whole career? And also with Amon Ross St. Brown now becoming super involved, TJ Hawkinson coming back healthy, and if they draft another wide receiver, is his PPR usage going to stay the same? And we've also got questions at the quarterback position and the offense as a whole in Detroit. So those are the things that bring DeAndre Swift to five for me. Antonio Gibson is at six. You guys know I've always been higher on Gibson. He's got fumble issues. I realize that. If he gets past that, he's going to be a beast because he's young. He's He gets the workload. He has the talent. And he is one of those guys that can get, depending on what happens with J.D. McKissick and other role players that they have there in the running back room, he could get 65, 70 receptions a season. And if that offense grabs a quarterback or just gets a better offensive line, He's looking at a very good situation. So I like Antonio Gibson a lot. He's my running back six. Austin Eckler, RB7 for me. He's 26 years old. He's elite. Absolutely elite. He's just a little bit older. But 26 does not look so bad on Austin Eckler as it does on most running backs because he's had a lot less usage than most 26-year-old running backs. And I think he's probably got two good years left. Dalvin Cook is running back eight for me. He's 25 years old. He's also elite. He has an elite workload, just like Austin Eckler. He's older, but, you know, 
So when I say he's older, he's older compared to the guys we've talked about. He's not older than Austin Eckler, but in terms of usage, he is. So Austin Eckler's got about a year, year and a half on Dalvin Cook, but I think they've got about the same career span left of really good fantasy production because of the way Eckler's used versus Cook. And Cook has a lot of tread on his tires. He gets injured a lot. So we've got to be careful there. That's one of the ones that you've got to kind of decide, do you want to take that chance to just win right now? Or do you want to just... Because you could probably... A lot of people will probably take Dalvin Cook for Javonta Williams. That's a good example. You could definitely, definitely get Antonio Gibson with Dalvin Cook and add for more on top, which I would do. So depending on the way your team is looking. If you're ready to win like next year, like you're all in next year, obviously you're going to value Dalvin Cook higher. But for Dynasty as a whole, Dalvin Cook is going to be running back eight for me. Joe Mixon is running back nine. He's also 25. He also gets a great workload. He's in a very good offense, but he has health questions too. So for me, Dalvin Cook versus Joe Mixon is super, super close. You're just going to have to decide because they're both in really good offenses now. And Kirk Cousins, he might not be Joe Burrow, but he's he gets it done for you know, in terms of supplying an offense that's good enough to produce fantasy points. So Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook is like basically a tie at eight for me. So I have them at eight and nine. Alvin Kamara for me is at 10. He's 26 years old. He's no longer elite. He's no longer elite because Drew Brees was part of the reason he was elite. He got all those crazy receptions, that huge receiving workload because of Drew Brees, and also that offense was very good because of Drew Brees. That offense is taking a huge step back. So even if he gets the same receiving work, it's not going to be with as much touchdowns. He's older at 26 years old, at 26 years old, but he doesn't have as much tread on the tires. He's always been sharing with Latavius Murray or Mark Ingram. And I think he's got two decent years left, but they're not going to be elite, so that's why I dropped him. Past the other guys that also have two years left, I just think they're going to be better two years like Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and Austin Eckler. Because we've got huge offensive worries for Alvin Kamara. Now at 11, I've got David Montgomery, 24 years old. He's got intriguing offensive potential, but we're not really sure. That offense could end up being really bad, or that offense could be really good, or it could just be average. I think the offense will be probably hovering around average, give or take a little bit. And he's a he's got a median age at 24. He's the only 24-year-old we've talked about. Everyone's either 20 three pretty much 23 or 25 26 so david montgomery is 24 decent age really good workload it's just do you buy into the offense if you buy into the offense you'll raise them up a little bit if you don't lower them down a little bit and if you're like me in the middle then you probably got him somewhere around 11 jk dobbins for me is going to be running back 12 23 years old super talented young The only thing holding him back is his limited workload, and it's not going to change in Baltimore. It's not going to change. They always use a two-back system at least, and Lamar Jackson is a third back, and sometimes the primary back, especially in the red zone. So as much as I like J.K. Dobbins as a player, he's not somebody I'm super keen on in fantasy. But with that said, he is young, and because of the way they use their running backs, he probably will last for quite a while if he stays in Baltimore his whole career. So, J.K. Dobbins finishes out the top 12 running backs for me for Dynasty purposes. Thank you guys for tuning in. I, I'm keeping them short and sweet for now. We will be get, excuse me, we will be getting into the rookie prospects coming in here pretty soon. Talking about all the guys in the draft. This draft is loaded with offensive linemen and defensive potential and defensive players in general. 
especially corner and edge. Um, so, you know, it's a good defensive draft, good offensive line draft, not great for quarterback, decent for wide receiver. Um, I think this, this wide receiver class has a lot of good mid-round guys, not as many high-end guys. We don't have a C.D. Lamb. We don't have a Jamar Chase or a Devonta Smith, but we do have guys that are, are pretty good and are worthy of late first-round selections. Some of them probably get taken higher than they should, but guys that are worthy of late firsts, high seconds, and a lot of mid-second, mid-third-round wide receiver prospects, which, hey, that produces plenty of good players for fantasy football. So with that said, we will be doing that stuff, but I don't have an exact schedule that I'm sticking to right now. I'm kind of just feeling out you know what I want to do, what I want to talk about, but thank you guys for tuning in. If you have questions that you want me to answer on the show, just hit me up and just say, you know, hey, for the pod, and I won't answer it to you in person or in a DM, and I'll answer it to you on the podcast. And I'll give you a little shout out for for submitting a question. So if you want a question, Red, do that. You can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. I know most of you guys listening are from Twitter. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Drop a rating, drop a review, share the podcast with a friend. And have a good one, guys. Peace.